0: This morning, I'd like you to open your Bibles to the Book of Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Chapter Twenty Four. Second Chronicles, Chapter Twenty Four, and uh, we 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 find here, um, you know, a, a very young king, uh, seven years old, uh, Joash, uh, that is coming about. He he is the king that uh, did the, that which was right in the the eyes of the Lord, as long as the individual that acted as his father was still around. Once uh, the the uh, high priest Jehoiada died, uh, then uh, Joash uh, kind of took it upon himself to do things that were very, very wrong, very wrong. But I want to point out something here that as he begins to have this conversation, as he begins to grow into this uh, uh, um, position that God has given him. Uh, I want you to jump down here to verse 6 and the king called for Jehoiada the chief and said unto him, why hast thou not uh, uh, required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah out of Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses and the servant of the Lord and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle, of witness. Now, now, there's a lot. This is going on there. There's a lot of background behind it, but I want to focus on one key, important part. One phrase that's there, and he says, "For the tabernacle of witness." When the nation of Israel was wandering in the wilderness for forty years before they even you know did that before the the wandering while they while they're going from uh um Egypt to the promised land they had the tabernacle now at this point in time they had a temple but they were sometimes used a little bit interchanged but the idea behind the tabernacle was to be a witness to the nations whom they were sojourning among. And I want to point this out. If we go over to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and this is going to be our main text this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 4, but I want you to see that obviously the king knew that there was supposed to be a witness. There was supposed to be something that Israel was supposed to do. There was, there was a plan that God had for the nation, and, and God's plan for them, this role that they were supposed to play, wasn't this role of this conqueror, this conquering empire or kingdom, but was one that was supposed to, if you will, speak to the nations, to be a witness to them, to tell them who God is, to point them to the Lord. To draw people to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, we find here is if you jump down to verse 6, these things that that Moses is kind of giving the nation of Israel again, he's going through the law again before he passes away, and here he's going through some important things, and he says here in verse 6, Keep, therefore, and do them. What is that? The commandments, the statutes, and the judgments. And he says, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear of all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For that, for what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon for him? And what nation is there so great That has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day. The purpose that you see here with all those commandments and all those things that they were doing was to be a witness to the other nations that the other nations would look at it and go, hey, they've got God on their side. Hey, they've got wisdom and understanding that's given by God. Many of you know I work in the legal world. And I cannot help but see the legal things that are throughout Scripture. Why? Because God is a judge. He's the just judge, and I will tell you this, you go through and you see all of these things, all of the words that are used, it's like a legal court. And we find here, the, 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 you know, as he goes through this, he talks about this wisdom and understanding in these statutes, in these commandments, in these laws that are given. And, and to today, the foundation of the laws that we have in our nation originated from the things that God was teaching to the nation of Israel. Even the secular world understands that. They go back and they say, well, people will say, well, we have a Roman form of government. I understand that. But where did the Romans get it from? People will say, well, we are influenced by the Greeks. Well, where did the Greeks get it from? Why is it that a lot of law places, legal areas in this country still have pictures of Moses with the Ten Commandments? Why is it that the Ten Commandments are often posted in courts and things of that nature? It's because these individuals that saw this realized that the wisdom and the understanding comes from God. You go back over there where Joash is saying, you know, the tabernacle of witness, all those things were for a witness. This, what we see here in Deuteronomy, is the witness to the nations. This witness to the nations. That was Israel's. That's how we're going to go about doing it. And Israel's witness was based on doing what God said. Because he says, keep therefore and do them in verse 6. Not just have them on the books, but to actually live them. And this morning, if I was to give a title to this message, I I, I, I would, I would title it, um, our life's impact. Our life's impact. You realize that the nation of Israel was having an impact in other nations, other peoples. They would see that and begin to look at them and look at them very differently. If that was a witness. That was a witness. In a short bit, we'll get to, 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 to being a witness and talking about a witness. And, and if you will, it is kind of one of those Christianese words that we often use. But basically what it's supposed to mean is that we are giving an account as a witness in court of what has happened. We as witnesses to what God has done for us, our salvation. Has God made a change in your life? When you trusted Christ as your Savior, was there something different? When you believed Him, did you put off some of those things that were sinful and your friends look at you and go, hey, what are you doing? You had an opportunity to speak and say, this is what God has done for me. Your witness. But what God is saying here is He's saying, I want you to keep them and do them. You know what, uh, you know, there's a witness that we know is for the Lord. You realize that somebody that does not speak of what God has done for them and takes claim and ownership for themselves, you know what God calls them? A false witness. That puts a whole different spin on that phrase, doesn't it? We always thought, think, you know, false witness, well that's always, uh, that's somebody that lies. Well I'll tell you this, if somebody is not testifying of the goodness and the greatness of God and what God has done for them, they are lying. Because God has done so much for us. We ought not be a false witness. We ought not be a false witness. Here in this passage, we see that Israel, they became a false witness. Because they began to put that, that if you will, what they had done upon themselves. It was not for the glory of God. Their motive behind doing it was for their own glory so that they would build their own kingdom and that they would have their own, you know, nation and it was of themselves, not of God. Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. But God's plan has always been to reveal His glory to people through other people. That's always been His plan. And and, and I'll tell you this, much to the displeasure of people today uh, and, 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 you know, these individuals that are, are, you know, if you will, pride filled and stubborn rebels. They don't like to hear this. But you know what happens is when God's glory is shown and revealed, it will draw men and women to it. There are those that will absolutely refuse. And I understand in the last, you know, what's going to happen during the tribulation and and and, and during that time. But you go over there and in the book of Isaiah in chapter two, you see that when Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in verse two, he says he's going to draw all nations to them and they are going to come and they're going to come with joy and gladness. Because the real king is there. I understand later on they'll be deceived again by the devil. But there are those nations that will come, and what will they do? They will come to worship the true king. They will come to worship the true God. Israel was supposed to be drawing individuals to the Lord by living out that witness, saying, look at what God has done for me. They were supposed to have that impact on those nations you know israel 's duty was to 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 go about and and, and obey these commandments in such a manner that, that that others would see what God was doing with him and want that desire that. They would desire his wisdom and understanding. You know, in today's day and age, people want to be smart. People try to profess themselves smart. People will go to the doctor and they'll begin to talk to the doctor and they'll they'll go through and, you know, try to, let's just put it this way. Generally, by the time we go to the doctor, we have already self-diagnosed ourselves. Why? Because we have access to WebMD. We type in our symptoms and we have everything from the common cold to a rare form of cancer. And of course, we always think the worst. But we walk in... And we think we've got knowledge. But I'll tell you this, you know, the same thing happens many times when people think they know something. But you know what they really want and what they crave is they crave that knowledge. People don't want to be stupid. People don't want to be dumb. People don't want to be ignorant. Now, there are some that do. I understand that. But as a general you know, rule, if you will, people will look and they will begin to say, hey, I want to know something. And what the nation of Israel was supposed to do was to say, hey, well, we know something. We've got a close relationship with the Creator. Let's show you them what God has done for us, what God is doing with his people. And the nations would look at that and go, wow, I want that. Example, Rahab. Rahab the harlot, what did she see? She saw what they had done to other places, and she knew that the God that they served was better than the God they served in Jericho. And she said, I want that. Same thing with Ruth. Ruth. Ruth like I uh, know I want to go with you Naomi. I want to serve your God. I don't want to serve the gods of Moab anymore. We find that throughout scripture where individuals would come and, and and God even told them there are going to be strangers among you and they have to obey these certain things and they have to obey the laws and they have to keep these things too. Just because they immigrated into your land or into your group does not give them a free reign to do whatever they want. They couldn't bring other gods in. Now, they obviously, we know what happened. They did, and they pulled aside the nation of Israel because Israel failed in that aspect. They allowed that to happen. They allowed idolatry to come to them. Rather than saying, hey, oh, you want to be part of us? You want to be part of this group? You want to... Okay, then you need to forsake all other gods and worship only the one true God. You need to follow the first of the Ten Commandments. That means you need to purge out all your idols. you imagine if the United States did that today? I... Talk about the blowback on that one. People that have a fit. But that's exactly what God told the nation of Israel to do. And they would see this wisdom and understanding. And I'll tell you this, during this day, and, you know, the day and age that these things were being written, did you realize that the people that were considered the smartest were the Hebrews? If you wanted to know something, you went to the Hebrews. You went to the Israelites. Well, how do we know that? Go check out what happened with Solomon. You apply wisdom and understanding the way that God wants you to, people will start flocking. I've had it happen. People find out I'm a Christian in an office setting and, 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 and I will get people, they'll come knocking on my office door and they'll say, hey Ken, you got a minute? Yeah, sure. Sit down. They close the door and I'm like, oh no, now what? And they're like, this isn't a work question. Okay. I've got a daughter that's rebelling. I've got a son that isn't doing what's right. I'm having a problem with my spouse. I, I, I'm i having a problem with my mind and I'm struggling. Why are they coming to me? Because they know where wisdom comes from. They understand that. Why? Because they see me in a different light. When I was in the hospital, all the nurses said, you're a great patient not because we don't have to care for you uh, you know uh, the way that we have to with others and I required a lot of care but but I'll tell you this it was all about as they referred to my attitude with it how I looked at what was going on And, and it wasn't you know, what others were doing. I wasn't angry. I wasn't combative. I wasn't the way that they would have expected people to be. And they said there's something different. There's something different. See, we as believers are supposed to be doing the same thing that Israel's doing, or is supposed to do. Israel isn't doing it today. Israel today is not living for a witness for Jesus Christ. They're living for themselves. Now, that's a hard thing to say. I mean, we're supposed to support Israel. We pray for Israel. We pray for peace in Jerusalem. I mean, you know, makes that very clear over there in Psalms, you know, how we're supposed to go about doing it. But I will tell you this. One thing that we need to make sure that we understand is Israel is still far off from God. Just because they're Israelites does not give them free reign or free, uh, uh, free pass to get into heaven. They have to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Otherwise, they don't get there. They don't get there. But, you know, when we think about this, in, in, in if you look at chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, He says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live, and go and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, giveth you. Why don't you look at those middle phrases there, uh, where he says, Which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live. There is a life that God wants us to live. There was a life that he wanted the nation of Israel to live and we as believers have been given a life more abundant we've been given a life that is not our own but is of his because of what he's done for us on the cross here we are as believers and we have eternal life and we should be telling people out there in the world what that means but we shouldn't just be you know you know voicing it we should be living it People should look at you and you should be the cause of somebody coming up to you and saying, what is wrong with you? Why don't you do the things that I do? And you can say, I have Jesus Christ. Don't argue with them about how they phrase it or don't argue with them about how they come to you, but just simply point them to the Savior. Point them to the Lord. Don't point them to yourself. None of us here are spiritual gurus. None of us can lay claim to that. But all of us are to take those things that God teaches us and to live them as Israel was to do here where he says they were taught, they're supposed to do them, that they may live. Now, I understand that we can t- look at that and, and, and realize that, you know, if you keep the things that God tells you to do, you will keep your life. I mean, it's pretty simple. God puts authorities over us. He says, you need to obey them a speed limit's posted, it's not a suggestion. People that don't obey the speed limit and drive at a high rate of speed, what do they do? They cause death. They kill people. I looked in the eyes of one of them. One of my friends up north in, in Linwood, he was the uh police uh, um Lead detective for homicide and for arson. And, uh, I stopped by one day and we were just chatting, getting some, some coffee and, uh, uh, we were sitting there. Actually, he didn't have his, his, his office kind of set up for it. So we sat in the chief's office because the chief wasn't there and he says he didn't care. So, you know, we're sitting there chatting and stuff and he's like, he takes me down to the jail and that morning there had been a high speed pursuit where an individual was disobeying the law was violating all the laws that were there running traffic lights, all of those things uh, speeding excessively. And he flipped his car and killed his passenger, his friend. He was injured. They took him to the hospital. They were bringing him back to the jail and he's showing me the jail and we're chatting with one of the, the, um, the jail clerks there and, and they bring him in and he's got a big old bandage on, uh, you know, on his neck. You can see where the blood was coming through, where he, he, you know, had been injured. And there he is in his little orange jumpsuit. He walks past me, just kind of like glaring at me. And I'm like, I don't get to stay here. I get to walk out the door. <laughs> Look right in his eyes. Still defiant. Still defy it. Now we understand, you know, you obey laws, you, you, you're going to live, but, but there's more to that. If you obey laws and you show what God is doing in your life and you obey what God tells you to do, guess what happens? You live a life that others are going to see that wisdom and understanding, and they're going to want that. They're going to want that. Well, how do we know this? Turn over to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12 and in verse... 28 it says and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well asked him which is the first commandment of all what's the top one somebody was to ask you today what's the top law in the state of Washington that you need to obey I'd be like I know there's a bunch that I don't like <laughs> There's a bunch that I would change. But what's the top law? What's the one that you need to make sure you follow in the state of Washington? I don't think any of us could give a good answer for that. Yeah. So here's this scribe asking this question of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, obviously, boom, he because he, he's the law giver, knows exactly which one. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Uh, I'm going to make a statement here that I think everybody needs to understand, that law still applies to a believer today. That commandment applies to us today and is echoed throughout the entire Pauline epistles. And if you can't see it, then you need to pray and reread it again that the Holy Spirit will show you. But that law is of the utmost priority in our life. This is how you live life. You love him first. Now, the thing that he said as we continue to go through this. And, and, and as we point out, I want you to see here in verse 31, though, it says in the second is like namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, what does that mean? That means that we're supposed to be demonstrating that love that we have for God in such a way that we show that God loves them and wants them to come to him. This is the, this is this is the law because look at what he says here, there is none other commandment. I want you to notice commandment is singular. He mentioned two things about it, but it's considered one. And he says, there is none other commandment greater than these. You want what God's intention for your life is, believer? That you will have an impact on those that are around you. Now, now, now look, I, I, I'm going to be very bold in this statement. Some of us may think we're introverts. Being an introvert is not what God has called you to do. God has called you to interact with other people. He designed you to interact with other people. will not meet? no, no, no. God has designed every believer to have an impact with those that are around them. Whether your circle is small or large, it doesn't make a difference. You need to live Christ in you to see to show the other people that they will see what's going on in your life. so that when you speak of the salvation that God has given, they will see that you truly believe it. It's hard to tell somebody about the forgiveness of sins while you're robbing the bank. It's hard to tell somebody about how much Christ has forgiven you while you're popping the lock on the Honda Civic to steal. It's hard to tell somebody how much you love Jesus Christ because he loved you so much he gave himself for you when you disregard what God tells you in his word to do. It's hard. It's hard to be that witness. But if we simply do, as he told the nation of Israel, if you just simply do what you're told to do, if you simply keep them, then it's not going to be a problem. And we see here, this is exactly what he's wanting. I mean, you know, And here's the amazing thing that we that I want us to see with this passage here in Mark is that the greater love we have for our Savior, the greater love that we have for God, the greater love that we have for his word, the greater impact we are going to have on somebody else's life. The more we live for ourselves, the less they're going to be influenced. The less they're going to be affected. I I don't want people to follow me. I'm a man. I know what I am. But I want to live my life in such a way that when people look at me, they don't see Ken Stewart. They see Christ. This is what Paul was saying. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Implying that if he's not following Christ, don't follow him. So when we look at this here, we see that God has designed us To have this impact on our neighbors, on those that are around us. And of course, somebody chimes in like they did over in the book of Luke. Well, who's my neighbor? (laughs) And he brings up the Good Samaritan. And he shows two individuals that were religious. A priest and a Levite. The ones that were responsible for, if you will, the tabernacle of witness. And what did they do? They walked on by. But a Samaritan who was considered scum stopped and cared and spent his own money knowing it would never be returned to take care of somebody he did not even know. And God said, who's the one that loved the neighbor? The neighbor may be the one that you see in the ditch. Do we show this? You know, here we are entering into the holiday season, and I wouldn't necessarily consider this a holiday message, but have we really stopped and thought about how much God truly loved us? As I said before that he would come and humble himself to be born as a baby and grow up for the purpose of dying on a cross for my sin and rising again so that I would have a home in heaven with him. There is no greater love than that. Do we show that in the lives of others? Israel was designed for that purpose to have that witness. We as believers are designed to do the same thing. Now we're not going out there doing it to nations. We're doing it one on one. We're doing it one on one. We're doing it, you know, it, it, you know, when we have those interactions with people. Do our words speak the things of God in glory and praise for Him? Do our actions match what we're saying? Do our actions match what we believe for salvation? Do our actions match that we believe the Word of God? If I was to ask with a good hearty amen, how many people here believe the word of God to be true? Then what would we desire to do but reflect it in our lives and demonstrate it and show us because of what he's done for us? Do we live his word? I mean, you know... Are we keeping it in a manner that others are going to see a different wisdom and begin to want that understanding and begin to realize, hey, God is working in us. Because if you go back over to Deuteronomy 4, all of a sudden these nations started giving God the glory. Go back over there really quickly. There's a couple of passages we're going to see here and then we'll close. But I want you to see in Deuteronomy 4 where they were talking about this and they're going to be in the sight of all nations. And people are going to say, surely this is a great nation and a wise and understanding people. In verse 7 though, for what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? Verse 7, do the people in your life... See that you have God nigh unto you. Sometimes people will sit there and go, oh, well, me, me and God, we're like this, so we've got this understanding that that I can live like the devil and it's okay and it's fine and, and he's okay with that. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to pray. I don't have to, you know, uh, give. I don't have to, to 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 participate in any outreach events. I I don't have to be a witness. I don't have to say anything about God because we're like this. No, you're not. You're a liar. You're a false witness. That's all that is. But I'll tell you this: there are people that can look at you and they can say there's something about them. That person has a godly spirit. these nations that didn't know God began to give God the credit. Began to give God the glory. Because they realized that wisdom and understanding wasn't just because they had learned it as Hebrews, but it was because they had been given it by God. Turn, if you will, over the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter six. I'll tell you this, the greatest thing that we can do is be a witness for the Lord. That's all God really requires of us. Just be a witness. Just be able to show and demonstrate in your life, be able to communicate and tell people what God has done. You know, we talk about soul winning. We talk about witnessing in in, in, the, in that manner. And I want you to keep those those phrases in mind because I want you to see something here in... in, in in Proverbs chapter 6 and in verse 19, right here in this list of things that God hates that are an abomination, in verse 16, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. I mean, these are things that God hates, okay? These are things that we should hate. The very first thing that He has there is pride a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift running to mischief. Look at verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Somebody that sows discord among the brethren, let's just put it this way. God thinks you're an abomination. Go take a look at the other things that God considers abomination. He classifies you in the same group. We have to be careful with that. We never want to sow discord. Discord can be sown by gossip, by rumors, by the proud look, by by whatever it may be. Uh, you got to be careful with that. But I'll, I'll say right here in verse 19 the thing that he points out is a false witness that speaketh lies speaketh lies if we're living a life that does not live the life that Jesus Christ has purchased and told us to live then we are witnessing of something that is false we are considered a false witness a witness that isn't really telling the truth. If we live a life that people don't see God, they don't see Christ, they may see just a successful man or woman, they may not be seeing what you're, what you're supposed to be showing, God. We need to be speaking it. We don't speak of Christ and what He's done for us. We're remember we're 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 being held in account to what we say. Are we speaking the things of Christ? Take a look at what He says here in Proverbs chapter fourteen. I'm going to take a look at two verses in Proverbs fourteen. We'll be done here. Proverbs chapter 14, and I want us to see here in verse 5. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. I want you to notice what he called the witness and how he described it. A faithful witness. Going back again to the faithful servant. The servants were given something to do Something to take care of, and some of the servants did what was right with it. Some servants grew it, and again, remember, when he said, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant," he was talking to both of the ones that did it, regardless of the quantity. They were considered faithful. It was the one that didn't do anything with what God gave, with what the master gave him, that was the unfaithful one. God has given us so much to be a witness of. Are we a faithful witness? Are we a faithful witness? Jump down to verse 25, and I want you to see this. We'll close. A true witness delivereth souls. A true witness delivereth souls. But a deceitful witness speaketh lies. I want you to see this if you are a faithful and true witness then how you are witnessing how you are speaking and telling people how you are living and acting in this world all of that is going to come about to a point where you will have the opportunity to deliver a soul To bring them to the cross. To show them this is where the payment was made. To show them this is how I can have eternal life because of what he did for me. Because I have forgiveness of sins. And God is nigh unto me. That's what a true witness is about. That's what a faithful witness is about. And I like it. It says, a true witness delivereth souls. And a true witness is somebody that speaks what they act. They say what they do. Not somebody that says one thing and does another. Those are double-minded, double-hearted hypocrites. That's all they are. If we say we love the Lord, we should demonstrate it. It should be coming out of our mouth so much that nothing else comes out. It should be demonstrated in our life that people say, man, that 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 dude's weird. Well, what's weird about him? I don't know. He's always trying to do what's right. Why is that? Well, he says that he loves the Lord and he says he's, he's got Jesus. You know, it's amazing when our witness and what we do about what God has given us causes the unbeliever to begin to bring Jesus to mind and to mouth and to speak it somebody got upset over a track that was handed out. They got so upset that they posted the entire plan of salvation that is on our website. They posted it on a social media site saying this is what they believe. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Praise God. You realize that that that's going to have more of an effect. I love it when, when, when people that uh, are unbelievers, this person said they were, but I question it. I love it when they do that. They're being a witness for the Lord. (laughs) They're not a faithful witness. They're not a true witness. But they're doing the Lord's work. Unbeknownst to them. Here we are as believers and we've got so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. We have gifts from God that are beyond what others can even imagine. And we as believers need to make sure that we're demonstrating that as a faithful, true witness. Our lives are meant to impact on others. That's the way God designed you. That's the way God has made you. That's the way God has, if you will, called you, each and every one of us, to do that. What impact do you have on the people around you? What is that witness? The idea behind this message is just to get us to think. Here we are going into a holiday season where sometimes we have a tendency to think more about, if you will, presence than what we already have what we want versus what's already in hand. And we as believers, we've got a lot. We have got a lot. Let's make sure we're being that witness. Let's not be Israel and disregard it. I'm trying. not trying to knock them, but they're put in there for a reason and an example for us. Let's make sure that we follow with what God has designed us to do. Let's stand for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for what you've given to us, and I thank you again for just the, the understanding that we can have with your word. And Lord, I just pray that as we think about this message this morning, And as we think about it throughout the afternoon and maybe throughout the week that Lord, we would be those believers that desire to really truly have that impact that you've designed us to have. To really show and and what you've done and show the love and show the care and show all of the, all of how great you are to us. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. And, Lord, I just pray that we would have that understanding, that we would show the goodness of you in our lives, that we would speak it with our mouths, we would tell others. Lord, again, I just thank you for all those that are here today. And I pray, Lord, that we just be blessed by what you've given to us from your word, from the fellowship one another, we would edify and encourage. And this I ask and pray in Your Son's name, Jesus Christ, Amen.